thank Thee for this Thy day, Lord. We thank Thee, Lord, that we can come into Your holy presence in and through the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank Thee for Thy dear Son and His precious shed blood. We thank Thee, Lord, that we stand forgiven in Thy sight, Lord. Lord, we remember the Sunday school classes that are going on at the moment, Lord, are just about to start, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that Lord, that you would give help there, Lord. Lord, that, Lord, that you would save precious souls this morning, Lord. Lord, and as we move into the rest of the meetings of today, Lord, we ask that we would know thy presence and, and thy help, Lord, for Mr. Greer and for Mr. Stewart, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would fill them with thy Holy Spirit, Lord. But, Lord, as we come to consider your word now, Lord, we ask, Lord, that, Lord, that you would cleanse me afresh in the Redeemer's blood, Lord. Lord, I stand here and I know my own weakness, Lord, but Lord, I stand only depending upon thy name and upon thy precious Son, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would shut in with us now. Lord, that you would close out the clamor of this world, Lord. You would settle our hearts, Lord, that we would see something afresh from thee, Lord, that there would be a word here this morning for one and all of us, Lord. We commit this time now into thy hands, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that you would give help, and we, get, and we be careful to give thee all of the glory and honor and praise, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could take your Bibles, please, this morning, and turn to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, and if you turn to the verse 14, please. I had wanted maybe to read the whole passage down to 21, but just for time's sake, <clears throat> we'll start at, at verse 14. Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. And we know that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. Many of us have possibly made a New Year's resolution at the start of the year or in past years. Some may look at verses 18 and 19 and they would foolishly conclude that this is referring to a New Year's resolution. Some may misinterpret these verses and try to say that the Lord wants us to do new things in regard to how we worship. But... That is definitely not what these verses mean. Verse 18 and 19 
of this chapter in Isaiah are verses which mean a great deal to me. These are verses that the Lord gave to me a number of years ago and verses I have clung to very dearly since that particular time in my life. And by God's help this morning, I would like to share some thoughts from this passage. Firstly, in verse 18, Isaiah is highlighting the Israelites' outlook or their attitude to the past. Their outlook or their attitude to the past. Verse 18 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. This verse is referring to the Israelites' outlook or their attitude to the past, to the historical mighty things that God did. It is not referring to past sins or past sorrows or anything like that. God is referring to great and mighty things that he did in past generations. Just look very closely at verse 18. Does God actually mean that they're never to think about the past or that they're never to give any consideration to the things that the Lord has done? No, it's, it's a comparative statement. The Lord is saying here, I am going to do something for you that will be so wonderful that you will not dwell in the past, but you'll remember it and you'll thank God for it but you will rejoice in something that happens now. It cannot mean never to remember. When the Lord here is telling the Israelites not to remember the past, the Lord does not mean they were never to remember what the Lord has done. It couldn't mean that. Just look at verses 16 and 17. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Here God is referring to the exodus from Egypt that happened hundreds of years before to their forefathers. And God commanded them to remember that every year in the feast of the Passover, just look, if you want to look quickly at Exodus uh, 13 verse 3, I'll read it here if, if you don't want to turn, it's okay. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. We could, we could read verse 18 of Isaiah 43 very quickly and think that the Lord is instructing us to forget the past, but that is not what it means. The Lord is not the author of confusion. He would instruct the Israelites to remember the exodus from Egypt when the Lord parted the Red Sea and made a way through the waters for the Israelites and delivered them from their bondage. But what the Lord is saying is, as believers, there is a temptation that we worship the God of history or the God of the past. Maybe when we're asked, do you believe God can do mighty things. You'll say, oh yes, of course he did. Because look what he did back then. And we'll tell of an event whenever we weren't even alive. Like the 1859 revival or the time we knew the blessing of God and the formation of this denomination. Great missions of the past like the 75 mission where many souls were saved. If you were to ask an Israelite at this time of the writing in Isaiah 43, how do you know that your God is the God that liveth? And they might say, because he brought our ancestors out of bondage, 
out of the bondage of Egypt and delivered them from the enemy. That's why we know that he liveth. It's one thing to believe the God of history. It is another thing to believe the God who lives today and still works in mighty power today. This is the background to what God is saying. I am going to do something and no more will you remember those past things and consider them in the sense that will be the evidence that God is alive. I'm going to do something for you today. I'm going to do a new thing for you. He's not meaning that they're never to look back or refer to the past. That's not what he means. The word new in verse 19 means fresh or original. In other words, he is speaking to God's people. He is saying, I am going to do something fresh for you. Something new just for you that you will experience. That is what is really talking about here. So let's move on. What is this new thing that Isaiah is talking about in verse 19? So this is our observation to the new thing. Verse 18 was referring to the exodus out of Egypt, the historical exodus out of Egypt. The new thing is a new exodus, a new bringing out of captivity. And what is he promising? Just look back at verse 14. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. This verse is written as if it has happened, but it's in the prophetic sense. The Lord is foretelling here that there will be a deliverance from Babylon. Just as I delivered your forefathers years ago, when you go into captivity, remember the nation of Judah is going to be carried into Babylon, but God is saying, I am going to bring you out again. I am going to bring you out of Babylon. That is what he means in verse 19. I will make a way in the wilderness and in the desert. You see, Babylon was hundreds and hundreds of miles away. God is saying, listen, don't fear. I am going to bring a remnant of the nation back. And you're going to come all that way through the desert. And I will bring you through. I will give you water in the desert. And the Lord, he did just that. But, may, but you may ask, how could that be a far greater exodus than the one from Egypt. Yes, it was a mighty work that God did in, in Exodus, bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. And we know that that was a wonderful miracle. But just think of the great new deliverance God did to these people in Babylon, the great new thing that he did. Babylon was the world power but God is saying, I'm going to bring you out of Babylon. And do you know how he did it? The greatest world ruler, Cyrus. He used Cyrus, as we read in Ezra chapter 1. God used Cyrus, king of Persia. And if we turn to Ezra chapter 1, in the first one, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith 
Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him an house at Jerusalem, which is Judah. So the Lord used the greatest world ruler, a pagan king, and God stirred the heart of Cyrus to decide that I am going to send these people back to their land. Not only did, did God stir Cyrus' heart to let these people go back, a pagan king, but Cyrus also provided gold and silver and livestock for them. And not only that, Cyrus said that he would build a temple for these people. Now, he didn't build it physically, but he provided the finance to build the temple. Isn't that amazing? God worked in a pagan king to set his people free. They came all that distance through the desert, and God done this new thing, a wonderful thing, that God worked through a pagan king to set his people free and give them such wealth. But it was also a great miracle because of the condition of the people that he set free. Why did they go into captivity? Because of their spiritual adultery and their backsliding and sin. And they were just as bad as the pagans. In fact, they were probably worse because they knew God's word and they were taught God's word, but yet they rebelled against the Lord. They sinned against Him. They turned their back to Him and His word and they were in a terrible condition. But thank God, the exodus out of Babylon, it displays God's mercy and God's grace. This is what the new thing means. The Israelites coming out of Babylon. But here in Isaiah 43, the faith of the Israelites has been brought to so low an ebb. And the hope of God's people in Babylon being released out of their captivity has been brought to the people very expressly and very encouragingly. Maybe this morning your faith has ebbed to an all-time low. This world is a Babylon to God's people. Dear believer, is your attitude to the new thing in your life, this regenerated life, the life, and there's regenerated life that the Lord has given to you, the Lord has saved you? Have you lost the joy of your salvation this morning? Have you been afflicted with some trial? Are you downcast? with the state of this land? Is the attack of the enemy upon you? Do you feel that God's people are left grappling in the dark? This past week, has the tempter come along like the serpent in the garden of Eden? Has he tempted you to look away from his word and his commandments? Has he tempted you to look inwardly and focus on your circumstances? Dear believer here this morning, the Lord has had to, to assure the Israelites repeatedly throughout this chapter that He will make a way in the wilderness and He will make rivers in the desert. Just look how the Lord encourages and assures His people. God here in verses 14 and 15 takes to Himself such titles of His honor. He is the Lord, their Redeemer. He is the Holy One. As we read in verses 14 and 15. 
This morning, the Lord is not only your creator, he is your redeemer. If you so have trusted him, the Lord has already done a great miracle in your life. He has saved you. He has brought you out of your sin. He has done this great thing in the past. He is able to cause a stirring even in our enemies or that obstacle in your life. The Lord that liveth is able to overcome. Sometimes in the midst of our trials and turmoil of this life, we can get downcast, we get distracted by the turmoil of this world. And we've forgotten the things of old. And have we forgotten that we are part of God's chosen people? The Lord reminds the Israelites in verse 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. Ye are my witnesses. You have seen what I have done in the past. I have saved you. I have sustained you through past trials. This morning the Lord says to you, my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. In verse 1, the Lord addresses the Israelites very personally. He says, O Israel, calling someone by, by name indicates familiarity. This morning the Lord says, Dear child of God, fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. We can also read, if you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23 and turn to the verse 5. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. And verse 7 Jeremiah is talking about the same thing in Isaiah 43, verse 18, about the exodus out of Egypt. The, the Israelites are saying here, sure we know that the Lord lives. Our fathers told us about the exodus out of Egypt. And we know that the Lord lives. We've experienced this in the past. We've seen God bringing us out of captivity. So we can say, I know the Lord lives because he has, made, he has given me an exodus in the past. However, Isaiah 43 and verse 19 speaks of the new thing. There is the past exodus or the historical exodus out of Egypt. There is the actual exodus of the new thing that Isaiah is talking about in verse 19. But you see there in verse, verse number 6 there in Jeremiah, the capital letters in your Bible, the Lord, our righteousness. 
the righteous branch, the king. When you read these words in our text in Isaiah 43, verse 19, I believe it's speaking of the deliverance out of Babylon, but the prophet was also writing of a spiritual exodus that was yet to take place. Just look at, at Isaiah 43 and go down to verse 25. There is the fulfillment of the people of Judah coming back from Babylon. That is the new thing. But please just read verse 25. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. What this verse is saying, that when the faithful remnant came back from Babylon, they could say we have heard of how God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, but God has now delivered us out of Babylon. And then we sang, as we read in Psalm 126, where we, like them that laughed, we sang. That's what the psalmist was referring to. We're full of joy. God brought us out of Babylonian's captivity. But when the godly remnant came back, and those who were true believers among them, do you know what they would have said to themselves? Oh, for the day that we will experience a spiritual exodus. Oh, for the day when the Lord, our righteousness, will come. Oh, for the day that the King will come. Oh, for the day that the greater than David will come and we will experience a far, far greater experience than our forefathers than what we have experienced out of Babylonians' captivity. We are longing for the day when Messiah will come and deliver us. I believe this was what verse 25 meant to God's people at this time. And we know that the Lord did come. We had it and we had it hundreds of years. And then we come to the birth of Christ. And oh, there were still a few of the godly remnant that were waiting for the spiritual deliverance. People like Simeon, people like Anna, Mary, of course, believed, Joseph believed, and other godly people believed. And he came, the king of righteousness came. And what was his very first sermon that he preached? I am come to set the captive free. We are talking about a far greater exodus. He came to speak to those that were in bondage. And this represents you and I too. We were in bondage far greater than the bondage in Egypt or the bondage in Babylon. We as sinners were once in the bondage of our sin the bondage of the fear of death, the bondage of the law. We were held captive by Satan and his will. We were under the just wrath of God because of our sin. We could do nothing to deliver ourselves. We were held captive. Unless there was someone to come and bring us out, then we were lost. We were headed for hell. But oh, the Lord Jesus Christ came. Just as he reached down and delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, and just as he did that new thing for the people in Isaiah's day, he took them out of Babylon. And thank God that God did a new thing through Christ. I believe I will do a new thing as talking about Christ. God did a new thing when Christ came into the world. God did the greatest new thing when on Calvary the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood 
And he gave his life and defeated, and defeated Satan, sin, and death. And delivered those who all their lifetime was subject to bondage. Can you see how salvation is an exodus? What is salvation? It's how God reached down to you and I. And he brought us out from darkness. We're all condemned. We were all condemned. You and I are no different to anybody else. He brought us out of that bondage. He brought us out of that captivity. He brought us out of the judgment. And he brought us into a new land of spiritual blessing. That is why we rejoice this morning in the, thing, the new thing that God has done for us. The new thing, it is his salvation that you and I have experienced spiritually. And what we long for our unsaved loved ones to experience also. Do you also see here that there is an outlook to, which is yet future, an outlook of the future? The people in Isaiah's day, back in Moses' day, and even when Christ was upon earth, believers up to this time are still waiting on another exodus. Those people to whom Isaiah was speaking, they were waiting and they are still waiting. But you'll say they're, they're dead, but yes, they're still waiting. And our loved ones who have died in Christ, they're still waiting on God to do a new thing. When Christ died on the cross, he purchased a full salvation. But there's no believer that has experienced it all yet. Think of it this way. Although we know that our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, although we know that he blots out our transgressions, as we read in verse 25 of this passage, yet is it not true that we still sin and we feel, and we will remember those sins of the past, and we shouldn't, but they come up, and they trouble us, and our failures trouble us. We just turn to Isaiah chapter 65, and verse 17. This is the exodus that we are waiting for. We are still waiting for God to do a new thing. I know that God would do this new thing for us. Isaiah chapter 65 verse 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. Just think of Revelation 21. Behold, he maketh all things new. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the former things, and uses the same terminology, the former things are passed away, and there is no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any pain. You see, there is a day coming when our pain shall then be over. We will sin and sigh no more. Behind us all of sorrow, and naught but joy before. A joy in our Redeemer, as we to Him are nigh, in the crowning day that's coming by and by. You see, God is going to do a new thing for us who are his children. Behold, I will do a new thing. One day there's going to be a great exodus that is going to supersede the exodus from Egypt. It's going to supersede the new thing that Isaiah was actually 
saying to the Israelites, there's going to be a far greater exodus. You see, both the believer and the unbeliever dies. When we, as, as the believer die, if the Lord tarries, our tent which we have lived in will be laid in the earth. And when Christ died in Calvary, he died to redeem the whole person, body and soul. And the Bible teaches bodily resurrection. Christ rose bodily, and when Christ died on Calvary, he died for the whole person. Yes, our soul is redeemed, but when a believer dies physically, what happens? The soul goes to be with the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And the body goes back into the ground, and it becomes ground again. It becomes dust. But one of these days, there's going to be the great exodus that this world has ever seen. Because that dust that is in captivity, if you want to look at it like that there, the dust of believers, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him to meet the Lord in the air. What is this talking about? The dust of believers one day. When our Savior comes, there's going to be a great exodus. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And God will gather the dust of all the believers around this world, and they'll be changed and believers will have a glorious body like unto his body. That is still to come. We are still waiting for God to do this new thing. And it is going to happen. And trust that we all believe that it's going to happen. God is going to do a new thing one day. And then and only then will we be able to say, be able to shout, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Of course, there is still a sting in death while we live here on earth now. We miss our loved ones. Not until the resurrection will we be able to truly say, O death, where is thy sting? We have the hope of a great and wonderful exodus you see what this verse is saying in Isaiah? Behold, I will do a new thing. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt in Exodus. He is bringing his people of, of Judah back out of Babylon. And the Lord Jesus Christ came. There is the spiritual Exodus when you and I are brought, have been brought out of the kingdom of sin. And you're brought out of the kingdom of darkness. But let's look forward to the day that he will do a new thing. If we truly believe this this morning, we will have a new outlook. We will look at our fears and failures in a different light. Back in verse 1 and verse 5 of Isaiah 43, it says, Fear not. And both those verses, Fear not. The Lord is with you. You know the Lord is going to do this great new thing. He is with us through sickness, through the surgeon's knife, through trials throughout the rest of this year. 
This God of the new thing is with us. And may the God of the new thing apply His Word to our hearts this morning and through His Spirit. May God help us to trust the God of the new thing and fear not as we journey through this life. Amen. We'll just close in a word of prayer. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank Thee for Thy presence this morning. Thank Thee, Lord, for help given. Lord, we ask just now that, that Thou would bless this word to our hearts, Lord. Thank Thee, Lord, for it. Thank You, Lord, for the encouragement that has even been to my own soul, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, Lord, that You would use this word and minister onto the hearts of Thy dear people here or some who may be watching online, Lord. We pray, Lord, that You would Use thy word to encourage thy dear children this morning, Lord. Lord, continue with us into the rest of the day, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would fill our ministers with the Holy Spirit, Lord, this day. Lord, that we would witness a new thing today, that we would, Lord, that we would see souls coming into new life today, Lord. Lord, we, we come to you expecting and believing. We know that you are the God that liveth, Lord, and you can do all things. And Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.